Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny's guest is fellow host on KKNW, Sakura Sutter. You might remember her show. It's called Love from the Hip. And the two of them will be discussing her healing journey from an incredibly painful skin condition. And now I welcome your host back to the studio today, Sunny Joy. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan. Uh, We are here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. And you can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. And a quick disclaimer for our Petaluma folks that the views expressed here are not necessarily the views of Petaluma Community Access, KPCA Radio, or its board of directors, volunteer staff, or underwriters. And my website, just for housekeeping, is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. I am just bursting with excitement because as I am sitting here in studio, I get to see Benny across from me in person. Oh, my God. It's so good to see you. It was so fun. We are parked um, with the Airstream in front of our old house. It's not downstairs? It is, though. That would be pretty funny if Chase was down there with Movi and the animals. Just hanging out. Exactly. (laughs) But I think, like, two of our very best friends in Seattle happened to be our over-the-fence neighbors when we owned our house here, which, of course, we sold in 2020. But they are still our very best of friends from Seattle. So they have allowed us to park in front of their house. So basically, I drove the same route that I used to drive every Friday. (laughs) I know, it really was. And I love coming out of the tunnel on I-90 and when the sun, well, now it's a little cloudy, but when I came across the bridge, the sun was coming out. It it was waiting for you. Yes. It's like, follow Uh, me to the promised land or the radio station. Yeah, exactly. Well, same thing. Thing in mind. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, so it's so good to be back here, Benny. It's so good to see your yeah, smiling face. Good to see you too. No yeah. more virtual hug for today. It's a real hug. It is a real hug. Well, kind of six feet, you know. And you've got a much fuller beard than Why, thank when I last you. saw you. It is Why, very thank you. Mm-hmm. quite the beard. The voice is the same, but the beard. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beard. There's more beard. It's not up top, it's down below, you know. Okay. We won't go there. Oh, well. Because I have no hair upstairs. That's what I'm just saying. <laughs> You're making up for it there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's doing you right, Benny. Thanks. And, oh, it's just so good to be here. I'm going to soak up this next hour and uh, carry it with me for when we're back on the road. Yeah, I won't tell Manson Mitchell you're here. You can just stay and hang out in the studio. <laughs> just zone <laughs> out. That's, oh, I know that uh, everybody at the house this morning was like, are you sure you won't want to stay and have coffee? And I said, oh, no, Benny has other shows. My guest, my wonderful guest has to get on yeah. to her other things. So, no, I'm coming straight home. But I will take this hour with me until I get to return to the studio again Yay. whenever that is. Um, So I really am excited today about our guest. Um, So just to preface this, I'd mentioned to Benny a while back that when I'm in Seattle, um, I definitely want to come into the studio. And wouldn't it be cool to have a Seattleite and someone, you know, who could be in studio with me? And there's there are other little serendipities to this situation as well. But um, as I was considering who would be a great guest, um, Sakura Sutter popped into my mind, um, and that's one of those, I think, little dropped from above hints, um, and reached out to her. So if you don't know Sakura, um, I actually had the privilege of being a guest on her show on KKNW. Um, what, Sakura, I, I will definitely, I'm going to re- read your full bio, but 
Um, you started your show in 2018. I is did. Is that right? Yeah, July of 2018. Love from the hip. Mm-hmm. Yes. And tell us just a little bit about the show if, pe- if folks haven't haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, absolutely. So Love from the Hip is where I interview people from all over the world who are helping to make this place better. Yes. Um, and then I have since also, ha- I also have two other shows. So oh, okay. I have Go Beyond the Veil where we interview people who work beyond the veil to yeah. make sense of, you know, spirituality, right? Yeah. And then the other show is the Conscious Coaching Hour, mm-hmm. where I also am with my two co-hosts, Rory Reich and Brenda Reese, and we do coaching on whatever topic. Oh, so. I know Brenda. You oh do know Brenda. Gosh. It's a small world. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> Seattle. I mean, Seattle is a big city, but my gosh, when you're in the spiritual and the KKNW community, it becomes a very small world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Um, in love from the hip, I just have to point this out. Hip is spelled H-Y-P. Yes, as why. in hypnotherapist, yeah. which is what I am. <laughs> Among other things. And yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, and, and then that show airs from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific on KKNW. On Wednesdays. Oh, Wednesdays. Yeah, and then it rebroadcasts actually on Sundays on KBKW, which is the talk of Grace Harbor. And then also on Zone Radio in Cape Town Woo! on Sundays as well from 9 to 10 p.m. Cool. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm not because our Petaluma station is non-commercial. I cannot tell you to go listen to it. But if you want to find out more, you can find Sakura on the airwaves. And her website is sakurasutter.com. And that's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R, sakurasutter.com. So I'm going to read her full bio here just so you get... Uh, um, uh, the full picture of who she is. I, and the reason I don't normally read like full bios because radio friendly, you know, you want to read like a little bit, but your story is really compelling. And we're, that's what we're going to be talking about here today. So I want people to get the full picture of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Sakura is a certified spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive medium, master esthetician, and radio host. In 2017, she was on the brink of death with a rare autoimmune disorder called pemphigus vulgaris. Did I say that right? Vulgaris. Vulgaris, mm-hmm. yes. Now, I, I'm just going to stop right here and say I had never heard of this before meeting Sakura. Um, when Sakura first started her show, I sat down um, and had coffee. I think we were talking about, you know, KKNW. And, um, and you were – so if you, if you visit Sakura's website, sakurasetter.com, um, you will see a picture of Sakura today. But you will also see photos of her when she had – was in the throes of um, pemphigus vulgaris. I was not familiar with this disease. She showed me these photos on her phone of what was happening for her. Um, and it, it's to me, it's really unbelievable um, to see the then and the now, which is why we're going to be talking about healing journeys today. Mm-hmm. But OK, so in 2017, she was on the brink of death with this rare autoimmune disorder called pemphigus vulgar- vulgaris, which forced her into healing herself and finally fully accepting herself for who she is. As a young child, she suffered from severe phobias, night terrors, and an extreme fear of death, all of which, unbeknownst to her at the time, were past life recalls, as well as her gift of intuitive mediumship. But raised by a family who did not understand her, and also in a tough environment that did not support her, that of inner-city Chicago, Sakura suppressed her gifts and dimmed her light to be liked and fit in. I think we can all relate to that to some degree. Um, Through her healing of this rare life-threatening illness, she's in full remission right now since 2019, right? Yeah, knock on wood. Yep. I always knock on my head. I got you. (laughs) 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 Through her healing of this rare life-threatening illness, which left her looking and feeling like a burn victim, she had to work through all of her limiting beliefs, self-hatred, and ancestral trauma to fully heal. She also learned to surrender to the illness as well as what life has intended for her. 
In coming back from near death, Sakura has learned to fully love and accept every part of her. Understanding the important role self-love plays in our lives, she now helps others through her radio show called Love from the Hip, which we mentioned a few minutes ago, started in July of 2018. And again, that's on Wednesdays on KKNW from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific. Um, Through this platform, she strives to gather resources, research, and recommendations that others may resonate with and bring into their own healing journey. Sakura has made it her life's mission to help others to fully step into their authentic selves before it is too late and it becomes disease or dis-ease, as you sometimes see it with D-I-S hyphen uh, E-A-S-E, so dis-ease. After all, she believes dis-ease is merely a misalignment with you and who you are meant to be in this world. Um, so, uh, official welcome to Sunny in Seattle, Sakura. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Me too, to be able to sit across a table and see not only Benny's smiling face, but yours is such a treat today. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this is because you have been to the brink of death with this rare autoimmune condition. And again, it's not just the life-threatening nature of it, but I mean, we're humans. Our skin is how we first present ourselves. You were an esthetician since 2002 and this disease onset in 2015. So skin was something that was like the big part of your life. And if you, again, if you, you know, see Sakura, I mean, she's one of the most beautiful women I've ever met. So for this to have happened, yeah, it's, this is, there's something, there's something going on here when your skin is signaling to you and your body is signaling to you. And if you look again, if you look up what this disease does to the body, it is, I mean, I I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but horrifying. It is, it is, you look like all over body burn wounds. Burn victim, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, okay, so walk us through the onset of the disease in 2015, and talk, let's talk about the specifics of it, and then we're going to get to the healing journey and how you sure. are sitting here in remission. <laughs> <laughs> sure, definitely. So in 2015, when it first started, it was October, around October of 2015, I was getting blisters that actually were occurring in my mouth. So on my gums. So I first went to my dentist who really didn't know. He had never seen anything like it. He chalked it up to maybe a viral infection. Mm -hmm. In fact, he even said, maybe it's herpes. I was like, oh. (laughs) I then um, started to get them on my skin. And having, like you said, having been in skincare since 2002, I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. And they were just popping up one or two at a time and very itchy. And then they would go away. Um, So I ended up going. I, I. what I ended up doing was I went to four different doctors, and they were giving me the runaround. In fact, one doctor even said, oh, it's a deficiency in vitamin C. Mm-hmm. So I was having test after test. I was being probed, and all of my numbers were off, too, my blood panel. I ended up then going on WebMD, mm-hmm. and I, I diagnosed myself. I found pemphigus vulgaris. had Again, never heard of it, and mm-hmm. I've been in the skincare industry for a long time, yeah. working for doctors and surgeons. Um, so then I ended up calling up a dermatologist that I used to work for and asked him if he would see me and do a biopsy. Before he did the biopsy, he said, you know, I, I'm going to do the biopsy, but I'm really sorry to tell you, I, I do think that it is pemphigus. And then he did the biopsy, and sure enough, that was Christmas of 2015 that I got the results for pemphigus vulgaris. Now, mind you, I had been reading about it online, mm-hmm. but the Internet always, you know, over-dramatizes everything. Yeah. So, and I'm a very positive person. Yeah. So I was always seeing the glasses, you know, half full. And when he said sorry and that this would be a journey, I had no idea. Um, and at that time, aside from seeing him and trying what he was giving me, I was doing other holistic 
things. Mm -hmm. I was trying homeopathy. I was doing Chinese acupuncture and herbs. I was doing naturopathy, Mm -hmm. um, even laying on a crystal bed of healing, um, Mm -hmm. doing all the things, but nothing was sticking. Nothing was working. Um, And then it was in January of 2017 after a breakup um, with a gentleman I had been with for eight and a half years. Yeah, that really sent me into it. Um, and that's when I had what is called a flare. Yeah. And so suddenly these one or two blisters a week were turning into these huge communities of 10 to 20 at a time. When you, if you see the pictures on Sakura's website, um, and again, if, if you want to visit the website, it is sakurasutter.com, S-A-K-U-R-A, sakurasutter.com. It, you will see these lesions and they're like all over her body. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay, so just to give people. Oh, no, no worries. Um, so, so when they started to come up like that, my family really wanted me to go deeper into Western medicine. So I ended up going to see a professor at University of Washington who specialized in pemphigus. Mm-hmm. And then I was immediately put on steroids. Um, and then when you're on steroids, right, they're mm-hmm. immune suppressant. So yeah. now I have these blisters that are turning into wounds and my body is not able to keep up with healing. So even also, (laughs) my skin was thinning, so any movement would actually rip open my skin. So I'm still trying, though, to manage my life, and I'm still trying to normalize it. So I'm covering my wounds with non-adhesive bandages Mm -hmm. and and putting them underneath my clothing because I found out the hard way that my clothing would be would stick to the wounds and when I go to undress myself it would rip my skin even mm. more so i mean I, I guess it's really hard to say how how to show you how painful it was but you know just yeah. imagine just massive paper cuts all over your body but even worse than that yeah but so i ended up having to put these bandages underneath my clothing i was trying to go to yoga i you know i'm a single mother so raising my daughter doing all her activities and then managing my own business and really just trying to hide it until mm. finally um, it just it got too big for me. Yeah. I mean, I was even using the wall to put these bandages on myself to stick them to my body um, because I couldn't get back there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at that point, I had open lesions covering about, I don't know, 85 percent of my body mm. where they were in my genitals, oh. in my scalp, in my ears, in my eyes. Um, and the, one of the last straws actually was, you know, wearing a bra is really important for me. Yeah. And I had to find an alternative because the, the bra would sit right where the lesions were underneath my arms. Yeah. So I found these, um, these, these ones that would stick to the front of your chest. I'm right. sure you've seen them yep, on yep, Facebook. Yep. yep. <laughs> so I'm like, I own oh. a couple, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, problem solved. Yeah. Well, I stuck them on, and then one day in removing, I completely ripped off my areola. Oh, Sakura. And, and that was it. I, I just, I said, you know, I waved the white flag. I said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I need help. Yeah. And so I had to ask for help from my family and move in with my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, in my 40s. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Send my daughter off with her father, shut my business temporarily, hopefully, right at that time, not knowing. Yeah. And leave my place. Um, And then I was ended up under the care of the professor Mm -hmm. more diligently. And Mm -hmm. I was in there and there were tons of interns in my room just ready to cry. Yeah. Right. Some of them actually crying. Yeah. Because I was just the worst case they'd ever seen. Yeah. And I ultimately thought that this was 
how I was going to die. I was taking bleach baths twice a day. Um, It got to a point where I couldn't wear any clothing. Mm -hmm. So my family was um, would make uh, clothing out of bandages, Mm. kind of look like a samurai warrior, actually, most times. Yeah. Um, I had to sit on ice um, because the pain was so unbearable um, and also sleep on ice packs. So they had to be strategically placed for me to fall asleep just to numb the pain long enough for me to fall asleep. Mm. But then I would inadvertently just stick to them at night and move and rip open something else. So every day it was just more and more pain. And looking at myself in the mirror, I was unrecognizable. Yeah. Um, and, And sitting through all of that. And while I was in it, I had to make changes, right? Yeah. Because what else am I going to do? Yeah. So the first thing I decided to do was to surrender to it. I, I have a question about that. And do you mind if I no, read please, from? No, please, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is, you said, you know, in addition to everything else that you had been doing, yeah, at one point you said you waved the white flag, you surrendered. There was no knowing if I was going to survive Pemphigus vulgaris, but I had to trust that if I was going to, I was going to. And if I wasn't, that would suffice too. I had to trust in divine timing, and that was what was happening. That what was happening was happening when it was supposed to. And I arrived at the notion that PV happened for me, not to me. And my question, like, how on earth did you do that? Like, how did you surrender to it? And then, then what does that actually look like in a life? Like, yeah, yeah like in an actual waking reality, what does surrender look like? I, so I would have these moments in the bath, right? Because I would take two, th- two, two, two mm-hmm. to three hour baths a day in bleach But I would add essential oils just to make them better, right? Just to make them holistic. Yeah. But it was in those baths that I would have these epiphanies, if you will, and Mm. these feelings and these emotions. And it just was like, you just have to give in. Mm. Just give in to it and 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 sit in it. Why is it here? And and mind you, I also having, you know, being in the holistic community and in the spiritual community, I have friends who were psychics. And so I would call them and Mm. ask. Is this the way I'm going out? And they were yeah. unsure, but they, they definitely kept saying it's emotional. It's emotional. Huh. And so I was exploring that. I was exploring every other avenue that I hadn't been. And I just thought, you know what? What, what's, what else yeah. is there? Yeah. And what did you find when you started exploring the emotional side of this? So I ended up, um, great, graciously, mm-hmm. um, someone donated their time to me, a colleague of mine, actually, Lisa Rosini Clay, was doing weekly hypnosis with me while I was in the bath. And being a hypnotherapist, I know the power of hypnotherapy. And I also know the mind-body-spirit connection, right? It's all connected. So I needed help to find the root of it because I wasn't seeing it. And so weekly, she would help me, and we would just unwrap it like an onion. And I was realizing that a lot of that was based in self-hatred and lack of self-worth. And autoimmune is just that. It's self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And, and and lack of self-value. Mm-hmm. And then aside from that, it was also ancestral healing that I had to do. Generations of, especially my Japanese side, mm-hmm. of women that just hated themselves or were very submissive and were, you know, in toxic, abusive situations. Mm-hmm. So it was healing all of it. It was, and, and I don't know, I know, I'm sure you've heard that the strongest person in the family usually gets dumped on, right? Like right. you get all the, you inherit all <laughs> yeah. the ancestral trauma. It's like, yeah. here you go, fix <laughs> yeah. that. Exactly. So, yeah, so it was like, beat me while I'm down, right? Just right. pile it on, I got it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just, 
I couldn't live in the pity anymore because that wasn't moving me forward. Yeah. Pity was going to keep me stuck. Yeah. You know, identifying that I have this and also the doctor saying there's no cure. If I had let that stick, yeah. I wouldn't be here where I'm at today. That's what I just even before the show, um, like like I said, when we first met and you told me about this, I'd never heard of it before. And then and, and so I know just a bit about it from what you said. But the, in preparing my outline, I just Googled, you know, like one does on the Internet. And I Googled uh, Pemphigus vulgaris. And these are just some of the samples. You know, it's a long-lasting chronic condition. Some types are life-threatening without treatment. Treatment with medication usually controls it. There's no cure for pemphigus vulgaris. Um, treatment can help control symptoms. Steroid medication plus immunosuppressants are usually recommended. And it's this really bleak, there is no cure. You will have this forever. You might be able to control symptoms. And like when you were getting that kind of information from many of your doctors, how did you, you said that didn't resonate for you. That you, that, yeah, that, that this was what they were telling you didn't resonate. How did you have the courage in the midst of dealing with this, this autoimmune condition and what are essentially burns all over your body or looks and feels like? How did you have the courage to say, no, I don't resonate with that, that this, there is no cure and I will be like this forever? I just, I went with my gut. Ah. I, I went with my intuition. I, I appeased my family by continuing to see the doctor and also following what he had recommended, which at the time they threw an experimental cancer drug. Yeah, for lymphoma, uh, right? Yeah, for lymphoma. It's, it's rituximab. Now it's actually been approved as treatment for pemphigus. But again, it's you're rolling the dice and there's no way of knowing if it's going to even work. And I'm a part of a support group actually on Facebook and mm -hmm. people are still suffering even after treatment and treatment and treatment. So 10 to 15 years, they still have open lesions yes. on their body. I, I haven't seen it as bad as mine. Yeah. Um, it's pretty rare, but to have that for 10 to 15, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. So I, I just had my blinders on going in. I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to appease other people mm -hmm. that are in this healing journey with me, mm -hmm. but I'm going to stick to my course. Yes. And I'm, I know that this is emotionally rooted and I want to find out why. Yeah. So it sparked my curiosity. And I also, you know, my purpose for, for living too is my daughter, right? Yeah. So I made her my main purpose. Mm. And then also there was just that part of me that was curious, like, why is this even here? Yes. And and again, being a hypnotherapist, having work on, working with skincare, the reason why I brought hypnosis into my skincare practice was because I knew that a lot of skincare issues were rooted in something emotional. Yes. And so for me, it's ironic, right? Like I brought that in, but then that happened to me. And ironically, it was something that affected my skin to yeah. take me out. Yeah. But I do skincare. Yeah. So everything happens for a reason, right? Oh, yeah. And the universe had set me up with all the tools to navigate through this process. It was just whether or not I chose to dive into it. Yes. And do it for me. Yes. Right? Yes. And I, I have to just, if I, I don't want to take up time, um, that I want to be hearing your story, but I just want to say why this is very personal to me, too. Um, um, so when I was about nine or 10 years old, I started developing acne. I was not an early bloomer. This did not have anything to do with puberty. <laughs> like, this was just, it was very strange. And so we went to, I, that began just a series of years and years of going to dermatologist after dermatologist. Um, and of course, it increased exponentially when I became a teenager and up into adulthood. And it was, I, it was always, let's take me to the dermatologist and they give me a topical solution. I mean, short of Accutane, which I decided not to do because 
Thank goodness. Of the risks. Yeah, that, that stuff is toxic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're a teenager and, and there, I just had such huge insecurity around my skin for basically from about age 10 on. And it wasn't until I got to Seattle and I went to a functional medicine doctor who said to me, Sonny, this is not about an external skin condition. This is coming from inside. Your skin is just the last step from things emerging from within you, basically. Yeah. Like your your skin is a messenger. And she actually sat me down and said, okay, if you, physical symptoms are messages from the body and often from the soul. Um, if, if that is the case, if that is true, why is your skin the thing that has been signaling to you since you were a young child? And I said, because it's the only one that I will listen to. Because I'm, I'm vain. I was, <laughs> you know, I value my appearance. And I really, like, the, it had my attention for all those years. And she said, okay, so let's start looking at what it's trying to tell you. And through a lot of um, emotional healing for me um, and also liver cleanse after liver cleanse. Yeah. <laughs> and my skin, like I was telling you before we went on air, um, while I was under this treatment or under this, this care where I was doing liver cleanses and doing, I was actually doing hypnotherapy as well and some regression stuff, my skin got so much worse than it had ever been before. And here I am like in my like late 30s. Mm-hmm. It was so horrifying. And then I hit the place where it was like I had done the work, we had done the cleansing, and my skin has been really, really good for since that time. Like it finally, after all those decades, finally, finally, what was in there was able to come out both emotionally, I think, and physically from a toxic. It's amazing that you found someone like that. Oh, well, I think. To help you. You know, that's, I mean, I don't know about you, but the right sources appeared in my life at the right time when I was ready to hear what the messages were. And I just, I don't think I would have been and that's yeah. that's part of it too. Yeah. My body had been talking to me for a while. That was my question. Okay, so, I had that question. Can you say yeah. more about that? If your body <laughs> had been talking and you hadn't been listening, was pemphigus that final like that was like the you know yeah. how you have those um, when you're on the road and you hit those uh, what do you call those bumps that kind of signal that you're about to go the off into bumps. the ditch? Yeah, oh, that, like oh the no, the rumble braille. strip. Yeah, the rumble strip. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you you hear the rumble strip before you go yeah. in the ditch. Mm-hmm. Did you have like rumble strip messages from your body or your so, psyche before? Yeah, so absolutely. But as a child, right, being a severe empath, yeah. empath, yeah. I felt everything from everyone. Okay, so my body was already kind of the beacon for how. I I was feeling or what I was absorbing and I had to suppress it because it was kind of getting me into trouble as far as she's weird yeah don't talk to her yeah you know um and but then it carried into being able to feel more with my clients as well yeah and not having a boundary with that Uh but then it turned into uh leaky gut issues vertigo Mm -hmm. I had vertigo for seven years what yes and so, of course, I made the dietary changes. I did all of the, you know, the medical things that they require you to do, physical therapy, yeah. whatnot. Um, yeah. So my body had already been talking to me. I just wasn't paying attention. Mm. And like you said, mm-hmm. what's the one thing that would get my attention? It's the one thing that I get paid to, to yeah. look at, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's skin. So yeah. it took that long. But also, as in functional medicine, doctors are great because I also fell into them while I was sick and found out that they said autoimmune is not just your body attacking itself. Your body just doesn't attack itself. Exactly. There's a reason. There's, There's a an root underlying, cause. Yep. And it's it's viral. 
So they, I, I followed the medical medium and other functional medicine doctors who said you have to starve the virus out. Mm-hmm. So I incorporated supplements to do that. I mm-hmm. went to a vegan diet and just cleaned and detoxed because why not? Yeah. I mean, what else was I going to do? Right. 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 I mean, I was going to try right. as much as I could, I could with still surrendering to the fact that the illness was there. Right. Right. So I was doing as much as I could. But yeah, it was all helping. And yeah. When, when did you start to see... Like you made, you had the the flare that was as close to death with the disease. There is a mortality rate. If you look into this, like what Sakura was saying. Five to 15%. Yes, there's a mortality rate with Mm -hmm. this. Like, so um, you were as close to death as you were going to be with it in January, 2017. When did you see? Turn around. Yeah. 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 It was around um, August, August or September. Yeah. And do you credit, what do you most was it the combination? Was it the emotional work? Was it the dietary change? Like, what do you credit the turnaround to? I, I like to credit the combination of everything. Yeah. However, I think the biggest factor was surrendering. Yeah. And not fighting it and just giving in. But also, aside from surrendering, I would also couple that with self-love. Okay. That's another one we got to cover. Yes. Okay. Because I that. had to love myself as awful as I looked. And I didn't love myself prior to that. Ooh. And then I had to sit, stand there in the mirror and love myself for how, how I was. Yeah. <laughs> and that was even more challenging, right? And, and if you don't mind me asking, you said that you, in the middle of all of this, you, um, and before the big flare, a relationship ended. Did you, at that time, like, was the disease part of what ended that relationship? Like, yeah. And so you were all feeling pretty insecure perhaps around that as well or Yes, and I the indicator for that for me was when I was first diagnosed was when I had already broken up with him and then I went back to him. Ah. So that was definitely connected, but I don't blame him. No. I, I it's a definitely a two-way street. Yeah. Um but it was a very unhealthy and toxic relationship and a lot of that relationship he was trying to morph me into something I was not. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I was trying to fulfill that, right? Yeah. Again, I was trying to fit in and be something else and not be me and be so far from me, right, that yeah. I ended up getting so sick. Yes. Okay, so sorry, I totally interrupted you as we were about to talk about self-love because I just I want to preface this by saying if you know Anita Morjani's story, um, uh, I interviewed her several years ago, and um, I think most people are pretty familiar with her story now, but of course she was an end-stage lymphoma, um, had a near-death experience, and during, this is the very shortest version of it, but um, it, while she was on the other side during her near-death experience, she you know, was given the information that it really wasn't her time and that if she chose to go back, she would heal fully, which she did. And these days when she talks about it, she credits self-love being the biggest factor in her healing. Um, after her near-death experience. So can you tell me about what self-love meant to you, what it looked like, why it was so important, all that good stuff? Um, Yeah, it's the easiest thing for us all to do, yet none of us. (laughs) Simple, but maybe not easy. I don't know. (laughs) It's been a hard one for me. (laughs) It would seem that way anyway. But yeah, it's it's accessible to all of us. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But we choose not to indulge in it. And I I didn't like who I was because I was so different as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing voices, um, having these night terrors. I didn't understand who I was yeah. was part of it. And so I couldn't understand myself, which means 
which meant I couldn't accept myself, which also meant I couldn't love myself. Yeah. And it just carried over, right, yeah. throughout every situation in my life, every relationship. When they cheated on me, they broke up with me, there was something wrong with me. It was yeah. always, you know, taking false responsibility. Yeah. So it just, it just grew so big. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just buying. As I said earlier, I also had to heal my ancestral trauma. And so there was a lot of self-hatred there, too. Yep. A lot of the women in my family even, you know, have, have gone through toxic relationships and don't have as much self-love and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to break those down into two different things or to, to, to address them in two different um, uh, scenarios. But the, the part that was just you in this lifetime. Um, now, for me, one of the things that that started helping me because I was like, I need tangible, practical things. How does one love oneself? I mean, you know, and if you've heard of Louise Hay and her mirror work, those yes. kinds of things. I had a hard time with that uh, in the beginning, particularly. It seemed hokey and I didn't like it. Now, mind you, I like it now, but before, <laughs> I, did, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't ready for it. But um, uh, Dr. Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion, where she, the research has shown if you talk kindly to yourself, not only the content, like saying nice, kind things, but also the tone in which you talk to yourself, just as you would talk to a young child who has made a mistake, you would talk in a kind, soothing way versus a harsh way. That was one of the, uh, that was one of the first entry points for me in self-love. So I'm curious, yes. what was, what, for people out there, you know, we need tips and that's exactly what you? I had to do was okay. speak kindly to myself and even mm-hmm. the wounds in a, and, and, and just cradle myself as if I was a child, right? Because yeah. all of those wounds were also inner child wounds yeah. that were just surfacing. Everything was just surfacing and I had to just sit in each of the wounds and also thank it. Yeah. For being there but love it love on myself for how I looked you know understand that this is just a, a temporary situation it's a temporary misalignment yeah and and just embrace myself all of me for who I was I, and honor myself which was really challenging <laughs> yeah because I'm thinking talking to these wounds that I, I assume you just wanted to be gone yeah and yet to accept them like look at them on your body and speak to them kindly and I had to use the mirror to do that because I <sighs> couldn't see them right right all of them right so looking in the mirror I would talk to the wounds and acknowledge it yeah because it wants to be seen yeah. right just as we talked about it didn't happen overnight as far as my body talking to me yeah but I also believe part of that was I wasn't ready to listen yeah and, and, and it came to a point where I was ready to dive in. Yes. But I had to sit and ask it, while it why it was here yeah, and see what would come forward. Yeah. Because your body will tell you. Oh, yeah. And the messages will come. Yes, yes. But I also had to remove it, in a sense, from my body, which sounds kind of awkward, but yeah. almost have an out-of-body experience to remove it as- away from me yes. so that I didn't attach to it and yeah. identify with it yeah, so that I wouldn't have it forever. Yeah. Okay. And so then going to the ancestral part, I mean, it's really timely or interesting that we're talking about this. Um, I, I interviewed um, Wendy DeRosa, I, probably several months ago now, um, and her book, Becoming an Empowered Empath. And I like her work because she goes, just like you have done with your work, she goes to the root cause of why empaths often don't have good boundaries, why empaths don't have good lower chakra participation, you know, from... Uh, and she covers 
ancestral trauma as one of those things that's kind of in our, what she calls it, spiritual DNA. It is in our DNA. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, when you talk about the ancestral trauma, was it just the regression? Not not just. I mean, that is that alone is powerful enough. But was, was there more than regression work that you did to tap into that and to bring that up into the surface so it could be released? Theta healing. Oh, yeah. I've done so, theta healing a couple yeah. times. Yes. Can you? Okay. Tell people and about I, what that And I is. don't do it, yeah. but that's what Lisa had done for me was the theta healing. So just bringing yeah. you back generation after generation. And she would essentially get you into a hypnotic state, a state of trance. Yeah. And then have you go back. Well, when, when would this come up? What, what generation are you seeing or who are you seeing? And describing the person that's coming forward, yeah. your ancestor. Yes. And then having a conversation, if you will, with them yeah. as to what they're feeling or what trauma they're running and, and yeah. walking them through that. Yes. And when I have done, um, I've done, and also I will say about Theta Healing, I first learned of it, um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I adore. Yes. It's one of the <laughs> modalities that he recommends. Oh. Um, um, he has a whole section in his book, Biology of Belief, on uh, or on his website. I think he talks about it in Biology of Belief. Anyway, he is a big believer in energy psychology, and theta healing is one of his favorite techniques I know that he has talked about before, and he has used it himself to be able to transcend some things that um, were holding him back in his career. Yeah, and you're restructuring essentially your DNA by doing that. Yes. Right? And okay. removing the dis-ease. Yeah, from yeah. your family lineage, right? And removing it then from me passing it on to my daughter. Yes. And that's one of the things like you are, like you said, this is a, I, I do believe that before we incarnate in a given lifetime, that we know the potentials for the lifetime, that what we are here to do, perhaps for you to, uh, among other things, heal some of this ancestral trauma. But it takes, you know, when you're before, I've heard um, certain folks talk about this, like before we incarnate, you know, you know how powerful you are. You know how supported by the divine you are and all the things. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll be able to get Pemphigus vulgaris and heal all the things. <laughs> and, and sure, no problem. And then we get here and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot more dense and difficult than we thought it was going to or that we remembered it was from being in a human body. Anyway, you if this if that theory is true, my gosh, you agreed to take on a lot. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? I'm yes. Like, yeah, I'm a warrior. Yeah. Bring it. For the entire family. I mean, all time forward, all time right. back. You are the, you're the stopping point for a yeah. lot of these patterns and and But I even want to yeah. carry it. I mean, that's the reason why I started the radio show was cuz I wanted to carry it even further than that. Yeah. Even further than me and my family. Yeah. To help other people that are struggling with whatever it is. And yeah. to know that it's just a temporary misalignment with yourself. Yeah. You just need to get realigned with who you are. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a huge believer in Western medicine for what it, for the things that it does well. Acute injury, car accident, amputation, transplants, um, you know, a antibiotics and penicillin, if and when, like those were developments, you know, things like that. I don't, I don't. Well, I shouldn't say antibiotics. I know they kill our micro gut biome. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, there are certain developments in Western medicine that have been amazing. And it's not enough when you're dealing with very nebulous conditions like autoimmune. Like, and so to be able, I love what you're doing. I guess my reason for saying this is you go to the doctor, you're going to get the answer that you did. Sorry, this is going to be with you for life. There is no cure. Just get ready to control symptoms. Mm -hmm. But you've gone underneath that to the root of the symptoms, and your work is now helping people bring things up to the surface yeah. through skincare and through 
metaphorically. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I, I, I think it's so important for people to know that just because you get an answer one place that it, just like it did for Sakura, it did not resonate. It no. did not resonate. And he made fun of me. He called me his hippie client and, well, or and hippie I, patient, rather. That is, this is always, I hate to be, <laughs> this is so petty and this is definitely my human ego, but I'm like, I hope you went back to all those people and you just stand in front of them and say, look at me. This does, it is not a life, like, this is not a life sentence. I have, yeah. I have healed it. So what, what do your doctors say now? Like, for example, the professor at the University of Washington or the doctor, the dermatologist who said, your diet's not going to affect anything. Yeah, I actually <laughs> haven't been back to him in a while. <laughs> but of course, you know, when when I came came through, right, yeah. when I came to the other side, they took the credit with the experimental drug. Uh, and so it was really hard. I mean, he did say, yeah, my diet wouldn't help, wouldn't change anything. And so... You know? Yeah, you know, what is it? I guess it doesn't do a whole lot of good. And again, that's so petty of me. But I just, I want, I want for people's, in the, including the doctors, to the eyes to be open that it's not as limited as they might think it right. is. Yeah, that there's more going on here. Than, Absolutely. Yeah. Than you can see. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, let me see. I'm looking at my little outline here because we've just been ch- chatting and I want to make sure I'm not <laughs> forgetting anything. Um, um, okay, so we talked a little bit about self-love. Um Okay, so this was another this was another question I had. Um, I just finished reading. It's a new memoir. It's called Between Two Kingdoms by Suleika Jawad. She had a three or four year, really grueling cancer journey when she was in her early twenties. It's very she, uh, sorry, not lymphoma, leukemia, um, mm. and it, it only one in four. It was like a twenty five percent survival rate for what seventy five percent mortality rate yeah. with this form. So, and it, she really, just like you detailed some of the more gruesome details of, of Pemphigus vulgaris for you, she, I mean, my gosh, she was, the, the, the medical things that she went through, I just can't even imagine. And she is one of the folks, she, she went more the traditional route, um, but that's neither here nor there. She's on the other side of it now, and, or she's been in remission for several years, and she talks about coming back to basically like the kingdom of being ill and the kingdom of being well and how Mm. blurry that line is. And so sitting where she does now, someone asked her, would you, would you do it again? Would you trade this journey that you had with leukemia? Um, All that you've learned, who it has, who it has transformed you into this, the, the, the journey of healing for her. And she, she said she thought about it. I mean, the things that she went through were pretty intense. Um, And she said, no, I wouldn't trade it. I, it is, it is why I have become who I have become. So I want to ask you the same question. Would, having gone through the horrific things that you went through, would you trade the journey to be here where you sit today? No, I would do it all over again. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? As I said before, it's not what happens to you. It's what happens for you. Yeah. And there was great opportunity in it. I just obviously wasn't seeing it right away Mm -hmm. in all the pain, but the pain made me sit still. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so now it's opened up so many doors and it has completely transformed me mm-hmm. to where I believe in divine timing. I trust in it because I surrendered to this illness that was so horrific. Yeah. Right. And I came out the other side. And so even now to this day, something bad happens to me, which actually is less because I've changed myself so much so. Yeah. And raised my frequency, if you will. Yeah. That if there's traffic, for instance, 
I just say, oh, well, there's traffic because I'm not supposed to be there yet because of A, B, and C. So yes. there's just, it's, it's really enlightened my whole life and raised my vibration that I can help other people. Yeah. And, and that's why I would do it again is to help other people. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it serves a bigger purpose. It yeah. wasn't just about me. No, no, absolutely not. So if someone is out there listening today and they are going through their own version of uh, whether it is a, um, a mystery illness or something that has been they've been told is chronic and they will never heal from, or perhaps it's even just a really difficult life situation, um, what, what would you say to them? Um, what wisdom do you wish that you had had at the beginning of that journey that that might be helpful to someone else now? I think it would have been a lot easier to have trusted a lot earlier, trusted. a lot early on. Just trust the situation. Okay. The trust that what's happening for you, yeah. there's a reason that's greater than you know. Yeah. And it's better than you know. Yeah. And also to be curious. Just if I had been more curious, I think, ahead of time, I, although I still was, you know, there was still that flick of curiosity, which kept me driving. Yeah. But just have that and ask yourself, are you really living your life? Because the other side of that was I was kind of going through the motions, mm -hmm. which a lot of people tend to do. Mm -hmm. So you, you invite in an illness or a disease to take you out because you're not really living your life. Yep. So ask yourself, do you want to be here? Mm -hmm. And if you do want to be here, what are you doing? What's your purpose? Is it for you mm -hmm. or is it for other people? So yeah. ask the questions is what I encourage people to do. Yeah, yeah. And be curious. And one of the things you said that I wanted to touch on, um, so um, there's a book and a whole project called Radical Remission. Dr. Kelly Turner is behind that. Um, and she looked at all the folks who had had a, what she doesn't call it spontaneous remission because most of these people, much like you, had done so much. And it wasn't just a spontaneous thing. Like there had right. been a whole lead up of all kinds of trying various modalities, traditional and, and, and non-traditional, et cetera. Um, so she calls it radical remission. When someone like you would be a perfect example um, for she, a lot of the folks in, in her. She was in heel, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the folks that are profiled are cancer survivors. But um, she looked at thousands of cases of folks who had had this radical remission, basically remission against all odds from something that was either supposed to be terminal or um, a life sentence, like chronic forever. And they all, while they had all done a variety of different things, there were like nine common themes of things they'd done. Interestingly, only two or three of them were physical. The rest were either spiritual hmm. or emotional. One of the things that she said um, that one of the factors, because um, it's been a while since I've read her book, was that um, instead of just not wanting to die, the people had a reason to live. And you said you had your daughter. But I'm yeah. curious. I mean, I know that I'm not a mother myself. But so I, from talking to friends, I get that, that is a, that's a reason enough, uh, given the love yeah. you have for a child. But I feel like there must be more to it than that even. Like that there was more, not just your daughter, but for yourself also. Like did you have reasons that you wanted to stick around? Well, I also believe, right, we, we yeah. had talked about your soul kind of signs up for what you're going to go through in this lifetime. Yeah. So, of course, there was that maybe intuitiveness yeah. knowing that I had a greater purpose. Yeah. And so Pemphigus was just a part. It played a part in that greater purpose. Yeah. And I, I guess you could say I was aware of that on a soul level. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So oh, that makes sure. sense. Yeah. So but I, oh, but go I, ahead. oh, I'm sorry. I also believe, you know, Viktor Frankl is one of my huge mentors as far as who I idolize and mm-hmm. just what happened to him, right? He survived Auschwitz mm-hmm. because we all have a choice in how we're going to respond. And and that's what I tell everyone is, you know, it may be really crappy what you're going through and what was given to you or what's put on your plate, yeah. but you have a choice in how you respond to it. Yeah. And that choice in how you respond is going to affect your outcome yeah. for the better, right? Yes. Depending. Yes, yes. Um, and where, what's your, for sharing your story, being on the, this, the, the remission side of it and not just remission from the physical part of it, but also all of the transformation and the spiritual and emotional, um, uh, experience that you've had with this, what is your wildly improbable goal for where your story will go or what your story could do? Like, yeah, I just want to help people get out of illness yeah. To get get out of being stuck in mm-hmm. illness mm-hmm. or disease mm-hmm. to wanting to be there. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that actually unaware that they want to be there. Yeah. And they identify with being sick. Yeah. And you don't have to be sick to be seen. Oh, say that again. You don't have to be sick to be seen. <sighs> yeah. Which was what it was for me too. Mm, right? Really? Because I mean, how could you avoid yeah. not seeing? what I was going through. Yeah. It was quite visible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and speaking of your story um, spreading far and wide, um, <laughs> you will be featured in a book that is to be released in December of this year. So I guess, yeah. what are we? We're almost in October. So just a few short months from now, um, a chapter in The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing. Um, this is volume five, right? Right. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, the, what do you want to share about this book? Sure. Yeah. So I just want to mention that it's the fifth book in a series published by Brave Healer Productions. And uh, the CEO of Brave Healer Productions is Laura DeFranco. And this was something that was actually started in the beginning of COVID to empower the readers with self-healing tools. Mm -hmm. So I actually um, wrote a chapter. Mm -hmm. um, And part of that chapter is my story through Pemphigus and then offering a healing tool as well, which will come out in December. Now, this was really hard for me to write. Um, oh, I want you to share this yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, this, this and it wasn't so sharing my story because yeah. I'm and when I tell the story, it's like I don't cry anymore. Yeah. It, it's it's not sad. I don't pity myself. I just am so excited to share it yeah. actually to help others. Yeah. But what was hard for me was to write because I've always been seen as a writer, even as a child, and I could never step fully into it. Mm-hmm. I just thought all the self-limiting beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to want to read it. Mm-hmm. What do I know? Mm-hmm. It's been done before. Mm-hmm. So I was having all those thoughts just in the last week or so, driving along, and I look up in the sky, and there's these two wisps of a cloud, and there, there's the number 11, or <laughs> angel wings, however you want to consider. I, I didn't know at the time. I just said, okay, I'll take that as a sign, and uh-huh. I, it followed me all the way to work, and I saw it the whole time, took all the different photos. And uh-huh. I said, I'll figure it out. And the very next day, we were assigned our chapters. And out of 25, I'm chapter 11. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> But again, that's the whole part of the self-acceptance, right? That's another facet of me, not accepting who I am, that yeah. I am a great writer and yeah. that I just need to own it. Yeah. So own who you are. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, and then maybe, I mean, if you're promoting the book, you come back on and we'll talk more about yeah, all of this. Yeah, that would this. be great. Um, yeah, and so um, that I just uh, on that note where you were feeling like okay, 
I have some self-doubt about this chapter that I've written, and you see the 11 in the sky. And I know there are a lot of people out there listening to the show who have stories that they want to share, um, and whether that means writing a book or being a chapter in a book, like putting it in print or maybe on social media or all the other avenues, the airwaves, whatever. What would you tell people who are stewing in the self-doubt that's keeping them perhaps from putting the story out there that needs to be shared that will help others? Just do it. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty simple. (laughs) Really, just do it. What are you waiting for? Right? I mean... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, life does go on. This isn't just the end of it. Yeah. When you die, yeah. you still carry on. But you have this lifetime to do it. Yeah. Do it for you is what I say. Yeah. I mean, that's that's who I wrote this for was for me. Ah, like writing to the little girl and then. Who didn't believe in herself. Yeah. Right? And the, the woman who was in the throes of. The illness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. Um, that was some advice that was given to me when I was writing my book um, was have have an avatar that you are writing to. And I did. There were several women in my writing group who wrote to their the little girl yeah. or their inner child or some version of themselves. Um, and so, yeah, if that helps, um, that was helpful to me too. like pick the person you were writing to instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, the whole world and they're going to criticize me. Everybody <laughs> will hate me um, or everybody won't get my story. Just write to the one person. So I love that that was that was yeah. to you. But there's right. always someone that needs to hear your story, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, OK, so let's see. We've got just a couple minutes left here. OK, so I want to make sure if anybody came in later in the show, I am talking today to Sakura Sutter. Her name is S A K. U-R-A, Sutter is S-U-T-T-E-R. Her website is sakurasutter.com. Um, and, and I really, like I said, I can't tell anyone to go there, but if you want to get the full picture of her journey, I mean, literal photos of her journey where she had the pemphigus vulgaris and it was covering 75% of her body um, in these painful, like burn-like wounds, um, she has this whole healing journey chronicled there. And I think it's, uh, to me, your journey is one that needs to be seen to to fully believe or to get the weight of it. So anyway, um, and then you can find out more about uh, Sakura, not only her her um, skincare, but the hypnotherapy work that she does and how you combine the two. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got all the gifts. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you're bringing them. It's like, it, that's, a, that's why I love functional medicine. It treats the whole body you treat the whole being like Mm -hmm. the yes the physical the emotional the spiritual the body mind heart and soul you're doing it all that's awesome um okay and so yes so i said the website sakurasutter.com the book is coming out in december anything else we got like less than a minute left any final message that you want to share as we bring our show to a close today yeah i just want to encourage everyone to step into their own healing too to take responsibility for your health and your body. Yeah. Um, you know, this situation had prepared me for COVID, actually, uh-huh. right? Because I had to quarantine. Yeah. I couldn't see people. Yeah. I had to shut my business. Yeah. But I had to trust that it was going to be okay, and yeah. it was. So trust. Trust yourself and trust in the divine universe, whatever you believe in. Yeah. Just trust. Uh, that's a beautiful note to end on. It has been so lovely to be in studio with you, Sakura. Also you. to sit across from Benny, as usual. Thanks, Jeff, remotely in Petaluma. Thank you all for listening. Um, this has been Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, signing off. We'll see everybody next week. Bye.